<laughs> well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Living Hope. We're glad that you're here. Today is a little bit different. Uh, normally, we stream the 9 o'clock service online, and this morning, we got here at like a quarter to 8 to start setting up for the service, and there was no power in the building. It didn't come on until partway through the first service. So we did not stream the first service out there online, but we just turned it on to stream this service. Hi, guys, if you're watching online, hi. Sorry we weren't, sorry we weren't here earlier. Uh, so I hope that doesn't freak you out, that the camera's on in the back. Good call, Gina. You might have been on the, on the screen if you hadn't moved, so good job. Um, anyway, we like to begin our services with this greeting that Christians have been using for a long, long time. The Lord be with you. And with you, too. Sorry. I'm, I'm having to remember now that there's, uh, that there's people watching in this service. I'm so used to that happening in the other one. Um, we, uh, we exchange that greeting on Sundays because we believe that that's really true. That whether the power is on or not, uh, whether the weather is good or bad, uh, whether things are going our way, whether our bracket is busted or our, you know, we're excited at what's happening with the you know, NCAA or whatever is going on in our lives, that God meets us right where we are. Uh, so let's bow our heads and pray to him as we begin. Thank you, God. We are so grateful that you meet us right where we are, that you meet us here today. Uh, I pray that you'd help us to be open to connecting with you uh, through the songs that we sing and the prayers that we pray, the scriptures we read, and, and through gathering together at the table of our Lord Jesus, that, that everything we do today, God, that, that our hearts, that our minds, that our lives might be open to you. Help us, God. Uh, help us to, to be able to center our, our attention on you for this next hour. Uh, not leaving that other stuff behind, the things that have our, our attention or our concern or the things that, that weigh us down, that we carry with us. God, we bring those things with us to you today. And we offer them to you. Because you're the God who is full of grace. You're the God who is able to comfort us, who's able to heal us, who's able to give us wisdom or direction or peace or whatever it is that we need today, God. Thank you for being so involved in our lives, for being a God who cares so deeply for us. We are so incredibly grateful. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you're able, interested, let's stand and let's sing as we begin. Joy to the nations when Jesus 
day, the news that Jesus was on the way to Jerusalem swept through the city. A large crowd of Passover visitors took palm branches and went down the road to meet him. They shouted, praise God, blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hail to the King of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and rode on it, fulfilling the prophecy. Praises rising, eyes are turning to you. We turn to you. Hope is stirring, hearts are yearning for you. We long for you. Cause when we see you, we find strength to face the day. And in your presence, all our fears are washed away. Washed away.
Cause when we see you, we find strength to face the day. And in your presence, all our fears are washed away. Washed away. From Psalm 48, how great is the Lord, how deserving of praise in the city of our God, which sits on his holy mountain. It is high and magnificent. The whole earth rejoices to see it. Mount Zion, the holy mountain, is the city of the great king. God himself is in Jerusalem's towers, revealing himself as its defender. O oh God, we meditate on your unfailing love, and we worship in your temple. As your name deserves, O oh God, you will be praised to the ends of the earth. Your strong right hand is filled with victory. Let the people in Mount Zion rejoice, and let all the towns of Judah be glad because of your justice. Amen and amen. Pray with me, would you? Father, we thank you for this, this day when we can sing Hosanna to you, for this Palm Sunday, Lord, for this time that we can sing out these praises, knowing full well, Lord, that you alone deserve each and every praise we can give. We thank you, Lord, for the, the week that we are getting ready to, to walk through. As we are mindful of what's ahead a week from now. Lord, as we, as we walk through the, 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 the remembrance of your suffering, the remembrance of your death on the cross, and Lord, at the end of this week when we have the opportunity to remember and celebrate your resurrection. It is only through your cross and only through your resurrection that we can find salvation and relationship with you. I thank you, Lord, for that fact, for that reality, Lord. And I thank you, Father, for helping us to be mindful as we go through this week. I thank you for the week that we've just come through, for the great things that you have done in us and through us and for us, Lord. I thank you even for some of the trying times that we've had this last week. You, Lord, have walked with us through each and every moment. You have comforted us where we needed comfort. You have guided us where we needed to be guided. You have led us, Lord, into good places. 
And Father, I pray that you will be with us the remainder of this service. I thank you for your presence here, that it was here before we arrived, Lord. It will continue to be here after we leave. And you you will go with us wherever we go this week. We thank you. We praise you. We give you all the glory, for you alone are worthy. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. And now the peace of the Lord be with you. Take a few moments and pass the peace amongst yourselves, if you will. Hopefully, as you, uh, as you came in, you got one of these little handouts, let you know what's going on around here these days, and give some notes for this morning's message. My apologies. With this morning's power outage, we did not get the scriptures up on the screen. Uh, especially apologize to those of you who are watching from home, because uh, you don't have one of these. It's got the scriptures in it. So um, we're going to look at some stuff from Numbers and some stuff from... John and Luke and Matthew, we're, we're going to be kind of all over the place this morning, um, uh, which I've been kind of all over the place for the past uh, week and a half, I guess. Yeah, and some of you have been too with travel. It was spring break for the, for the kids this last week, and uh, Stacy and I made our way. We weren't here last Sunday because we were in California. Stacy had a couple of work meetings, a couple of days of work stuff out that way, and so we turned it into a family trip for spring break and uh, flew to San Francisco, drove to Yosemite, and uh, things were, it was beautiful. Um, but uh, if you've ever taken a trip, you know that things don't always just go right, right? Just kind of like this morning with power being off and on. Uh, things don't always go the way you expect, and uh, they, that was true for us. We wondered for a while if we were going to get to go to Yosemite because all the crazy snow they'd gotten out there, like you know, I don't, 15 feet of snow or something. I can't remember how much it was. Uh, Stacy's got a good picture on her, on her Facebook page of the, the like cottage that we were staying in that's got like walls of snow that they had to like tunnel a path to the door so we could, uh, so we could stay there. Um, and uh, yeah, Yosemite was closed for a while up until like a week or so before we went. Uh, so we were very glad that it opened. And, and then like the day after we left, it, they got some more snow. So we kind of hit that window and we were, we were thankful for that. But you know, then there are other moments where like we were going to go see some redwoods and the park, that park was still closed and we found another park with redwoods in it and it was raining. And, and uh, we had actually heard a pastor years ago talking about things not going right on family vacations. And in their family, they, they just said, hey, we're making memories. You know, anytime someone wrong and we adopted that. So that's what we tell our boys too. You know, like, yeah, I know it's raining. I know our shoes are getting filled with mud. We're just making memories, you know, <laughs> getting out there, seeing the redwoods, seeing, seeing what we can see. And and then coming home, we thought for a little bit we might, get, we might not make it back because of the storm that went through Chicago. Uh, we were flying back on Friday, and uh, <clears throat> that bad storm that whipped through that night. And uh, we got home. We almost made it home before the hail hit here. Uh, but we wanted some Jimmy John's. And so we stopped at Jimmy John's. If we hadn't stopped at Jimmy John's, our van would have been in the garage before the hail uh, came. But, uh, oh well, we got some sandwiches, so we were, we were happy still. Um, the, uh, the travel thing fits with where we're going this morning, by the way. Uh, so if you've been with us up until today, you know we're making our way through the Bible one book uh, per month. So we did Genesis in January, then Exodus, and then Leviticus. And now that we're in April, we're in the book of Numbers. So we're not going to hit all 66 books of the Bible. We're not going to do this for five years. We're just doing it for this year, and we will get to Revelation by December. Uh, but we wanted to do the five books of Moses, the, the Torah. We want to do all five of those this year. Because the last time we did this, we, we kind of hit Genesis and Exodus, and then we moved on. And uh, these are books of the Bible that often we kind of skip over, you know, or we just kind of hit little bits and pieces of. And uh, 
I wanted us to, to give us a chance to kind of dig in a little bit more and, and catch some things that maybe we've missed, maybe we've skimmed over. Um, <laughs> although uh, I, I told the people in the first service, and I'll tell you too, that uh, if you've been trying to read uh, along the way, uh, you know that this is not always like gripping reading, right? If you're reading it at night, you're going to be asleep quick in some of these sections. Um, and so I told them in the 9 o'clock service, it's okay. You have permission to like skim past some of the boring stuff, all right? Uh, your pastor told you that's okay. Uh, it's, it's okay to skim past some of the, especially when you get into numbers in the first chapter, like they're counting everyone. Here's how many people were in this tribe, and here's how many people were in this tribe. And it's okay to just kind of like run your finger down the page till you get to the end of that and then you know, read a little more. Um, but uh, there is some good stuff in the book of Numbers, and it's a travel story. Um, and it does connect, I think, I know this is Palm Sunday, there's a part of me that as I was preparing for today, I thought, okay, do I just forget about the numbers thing? Like next week's Easter. Easter's gonna be Easter, right? We're gonna focus on Jesus and his resurrection and uh, his, his uh, defeating the powers of sin and death on, on our behalf to set us free. Uh, and I kind of thought about doing the same thing with Palm Sunday. And then as I was starting into numbers, I thought, wait a minute, I think I see some connections and hopefully you will too. Um, so to get us started, I did want us to watch this five-minute video from the folks at Bible Project about the book of Numbers. Let's... The book of Numbers gets overlooked partly because it has a really boring name. Which is a shame. In the Hebrew tradition, the book's name is Bamidbar, which means in the wilderness. And it's an epic travel log about Israel's journey through the desert on their way to the land promised to Abraham. Now this pilgrimage should only take about two weeks on foot. But instead, it takes them about 40 years. That's crazy. It's practically half of someone's lifetime. Yeah, it's a very long camping trip with lots of interesting stories. But let's remember, it's most helpful to back up and start with how this book is designed. Right. So the book is broken up into five sections. There are three wilderness locations broken up by two road trips that link all the pieces together. The first wilderness section is Mount Sinai, right here on the map. And then in the second section, they travel to a region called Paran. A whole bunch of things happen here in the wilderness of Paran. And then in this fourth section is Israel's road trip to Moab. The book ends with a large section in the wilderness of Moab, right across the Jordan River from the Promised Land. Now, through all of these sections, the storyline just flows like a gripping dramatic movie. Everything starts great, but then the trip goes horribly wrong, and it all ends with the final redemptive moment, the surprising act of God's grace. So let's jump into this story. It all begins at the wilderness at Mount Sinai, and we've become really familiar with this mountain. Yeah, if you remember, Israel came here after Egypt, and they formed a covenant with God here, got the Ten Commandments here, built the tabernacle here, and they've been at this mountain for one full year. And now they take a census to number the people as they prepare to leave. Right, and they're given these instructions for how to organize all those people in the camp. God's presence in the tabernacle, and then the tribe of Levi and the priests around it, and then the rest of the tribes around them. And this pattern, it's this visual symbol for how God's holiness is at the center of their existence as a people. And they're told that when the cloud of God's presence moves, they're to pack up and travel with it. Yeah, the Ark of the Covenant is carried by the Levites out in front, and then the tribe of Judah, and on and on. And this order is also a symbol for how God's holy presence is their leader and guide through the wilderness. We begin the second section of the book with enthusiasm as they leave Mount Sinai and travel up to Paran. God's with them, everything's organized, 
This is gonna be great. But it's not great. After just three days on the road, the people are complaining about their hunger and thirst, and then even Moses' brother and sister start bad-mouthing him in front of all the people. Not a great start. But now we're into the third section, the wilderness of Paran. This is where they send the 12 spies to scout out the promised land. Two of those spies come back and they're really optimistic. But the other 10 are freaked out and they don't trust God and they go around saying, we're gonna get annihilated in there. And so they start a mutiny and they try to appoint a new leader who's gonna take all the people back to Egypt. And so basically they are refusing to go into the promised land and God honors their choice. He says that this generation is going to wander for 40 years and die in the wilderness and only their kids will get to enter the promised land. You know, this story here gets brought up many times in the Bible by different authors. Yeah, and it always serves as a reminder that while God remains faithful to his people and his promises, he will honor their choices. He'll, he'll let them waste their whole lives if they choose to live in rebellion. Okay, so the trip's been a disaster so far. And it gets worse here in this fourth section as they're traveling to Moab. Even Moses has a moment of rebellion and is disqualified from entering the promised land. Then there's another rebellion among the people that results in this snake attack. And what makes all these rebellions even worse is that every step of the way, God has been providing. He's been offering forgiveness. He's been giving them food and water and this crazy stuff called manna. Yeah, what is that stuff? Yeah, no, no idea. But in spite of all this, they keep complaining and they say that they wish they had died in slavery in Egypt. If I was God, I would just give up on these guys. You would think. But that's what makes this story in the final section so surprising. Israel has just arrived in Moab, and the king of Moab, he's freaked out that this huge group of people is traveling through his land. So he hires this pagan sorcerer named Balaam to pronounce curses on them. This guy means business. Yeah, and so Balaam, he says, okay, I'm going to pray to the Hebrew god, and let's see what happens. And three different times he attempts to curse them, but each time he finds that he can utter only blessing. Most surprising is the last blessing, where he prophesies that out of Israel will rise a victorious king. And this king is somehow going to be connected to God's promise to Abraham to bless all nations through this family. So here's Israel rebelling down in the camp, totally unaware that up in the hills, God is protecting and even blessing them. The book ends here in Moab. Israel's getting ready to go into the promised land. They count up everyone again, just like at the beginning. They're leaving the old generation behind, including Moses. But before they leave Moses, he gives them his last words of warning and wisdom. And that speech is what the next book, Deuteronomy, is all about. All right. So um, <clears throat> I, I think yeah, that there's that, that moment in the numbers is a, is a hugely important book for the, for the way the story goes from here. Uh, especially that bit in the middle where it said that God is always faithful to his people and his promises, but he honors our choices. And if we choose to walk away from him, he will let us do that. And that's something that we see both in this story in Numbers and in the, the Palm Sunday story that, that we find ourselves in today. Uh, so the story of Numbers starts out well. Uh, Although I will quibble with them when they said, like, it's this gripping travel story. That, that doesn't start for a while. <laughs> the, the first few chapters are a little bit uh, <clears throat> snoozy. But, uh, but at the, you know, God speaks to them, says, do this, count the people. And by the end of the first chapter, uh, Numbers chapter 1, it says the Israelites did all this just as the Lord commanded Moses. 
And you get to the end of the second chapter where, you know, God had spoken again and here's what you do. And it says, so the Israelites did everything the Lord commanded Moses. And you think, okay, good. They're off to a good start. They're listening. They're obeying. Uh, Chapter 5, again, they did just as the Lord had instructed Moses. All the way to to chapter 9 where it talks about how they were supposed to... uh, uh, mention it in the video how the, the cloud of God's presence, if it, if it lifted from the tabernacle and started to move, then they would all get up and they would go. And if it settled, then they would, they would camp. And, uh, and that's what it says in, in chapter 9. At the Lord's command, they encamped. And at the Lord's command, they set out. They obeyed the Lord's order in accordance with his command through Moses. So God was speaking to Moses. Moses was speaking to the people. The people were saying, okay, let's go. And they would do whatever God told them to do. The trip is off to a good start. Until you get to chapter 11, verse 1, it says, Now the people complained. And it starts just a series of complaints about their hardships. Uh, they complain where God can hear them. The first little bit was, and like the fire of God comes out and burns some folks. It's like, whoa, that's, that's severe. And then they're complaining about the food. They don't have any meat to eat. And uh, Numbers, that's, that's great. It's there in Numbers 11. I, I remember really enjoying that part when I discovered that God says, uh, I'll, I'll provide them with meat, so much meat that it'll be coming out their nostrils. Uh, I thought, ooh, that sounds like fun. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, so God, like, you know, he hears their complaints and God gets frustrated, but God continues to provide and continues to guide them all the way to that, that pivotal moment, uh, that was mentioned in the video where they send some spies into the land, 12 of them, one from each of the 12 tribes of Israel. And they, they go to see, is this, what is this land like that God is leading us to? And they've got questions, you know, they're sent in with a checklist, you know, are the cities fortified or are they open? Uh, You know, what are the people like? What's the land like? Is it fertile ground? Is it wilderness stuff like what we're in now? What is this place like? And they come back carrying, you know, this big branch of grapes on a pole between them. Like this is fertile ground. This place is amazing. It truly is a land flowing with milk and honey, whatever that means. It's it's abundant, you know, crops grow here, cattle love it. It's, It's all beautiful. Except the people who live there are like huge and their cities are fortified and, and we look like grasshoppers next to them. I mean, these, these guys, they spend time in the gym. I mean, this is, they're serious about this whole thing. And 10 of the 12 spies say, we can't do this. We shouldn't do this. We should go back to Egypt. There's no reason for us to be here. And it's only two of them, Joshua and Caleb, who say, well, let's trust God. If he says we can go in and let's, let's do it, let's go in. Numbers 14, we read, That night all the members of the community raised their voices and wept aloud. All the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron, and the whole assembly said to them, If only we had died in Egypt or in this wilderness. Why is the Lord bringing us to this land only to let us fall by the sword? Our wives and children will be taken as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to each other, We should choose a leader and go back to Egypt. They're deciding we cannot do this. God's telling us to go that way, but that's just death. So let's just go back to slavery. Well, there's a whole conversation there where God says, I'm just going to wipe them out and start over with you, Moses. And Moses, again, pleads with God, don't, please don't do that. You know, it'll get back to the Egyptians. It'll you know, make you look bad. And besides, you promised. And, and uh, please forgive them. And God says, okay, I've forgiven them, but... Here's what's going to happen. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, How long will this wicked community grumble against me? I've heard the complaints of these grumbling Israelites. So tell them, As surely as I live, declares the Lord, I will do to you the very thing I heard you say. In this wilderness, your bodies will fall. Every one of you, 20 years old or more, who was counted in the census and who has grumbled against me, 
Not one of you will enter the land I swore with uplifted hand to make your home, except Caleb, son of something starting with a J, and Joshua, son of Nun. As for your children that you said would be taken as plunder, I will bring them in to enjoy the land you have rejected. This is why they spend 40 years meandering through the wilderness right here. Their trip could have been over. You know, they could have, they could have gotten from slavery in Egypt, spent that year at Mount Sinai uh, hearing from God about their, their covenant, their new arrangement, and you're going to be our God, we're going to be your people, yes, and, and here's building the tabernacle, here's your presence in our midst, yes. They could have moved on from there right into the promised land, but because they said no, God said, okay, you can wander through the wilderness until you're all gone, and then I'll take your kids in. And that's what they end up doing. The rest of the book of Numbers, they wander through the wilderness, and Deuteronomy starts up kind of like fast forwards to, okay, they're all gone. Hey, kids, you're adults now, getting ready to go. Let me remind you of what God has said. And it's just a reminder before they enter the land of all that God has done for them and what God has said to them. God is faithful, but he honors our choices. He doesn't force us to follow him. And we are presented with that kind of choice all the time, right? Do we trust God to move forward into whatever he has for us in spite of the hardships, in spite of the difficulties and the obstacles? And you guys know because you've lived on this world, I'm looking around the room, none of us are infants. You've lived in this world long enough to know that life can be hard, that sometimes doing the right thing is not easy, that doing what God wants you to do oftentimes is not as easy as just doing what you want to do, right? Or doing what your friends want to do, and they're already doing it. And so you could just you know, like go along with them, but God is telling you, no, no, no. I want you to be different than that. No, I want you to stand with that person who's being bullied. No, I want you to take some of that hard-earned money and provide for someone else in need instead of just spending it all on yourself. No, I, I don't want you to, to go indulge in whatever that is that they're indulging in that you've enjoyed in the past, but now God is getting your life straightened out and you're realizing that's destructive. It's hurting me and the people around me. And okay, I want to stay clean. I want to stay sober. I got I to gotta walk a different path. And you know that's not easy. God will honor our choices. And if we'll trust him, then he'll help us to do what is right. He will help us to follow him. He'll give us the strength. He'll guide us. He continues to guide these people even though they disobey. He continues to be patient. He continues to feed them. And sometimes I think we, we see God continuing to, you know, guide us or continuing to help us. And we think, oh, I'm, he must be okay with my partial obedience. He must be okay with me, you know, not really wanting to do everything he wants me to do because, you know, life is still okay. I wonder if some of the Israelites were saying that to themselves. All right. I see this as being a similar thing to what happens with Jesus in this final week as he is entering into Jerusalem. We call this Palm Sunday because this was the day, as Mary read earlier. You've got it in your notes, John chapter 12. The next day, the great crowd that had come for the festival heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. They took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the King of Israel. They're shouting Hosanna. And Hosanna isn't just like a yay God kind of a thing, right? Hosanna means save us liberate us. 
they're, they're calling out for God to, to show up, and they, they see God showing up in a way that's going to set them free. So they are celebrating. It's a, it's a celebration of God's liberation, of God's saving them. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the king of Israel. Um, this is a tumultuous time in this part of the world, in, in Israel itself. I mean, this is a time when they are looking for a Messiah, an anointed one, a Christ, a, an anointed king who will come and will help them get free of Roman rule. Uh, it's within not that distant of the past, within some of their memories and the stories that their grandparents have told, probably the time of the Maccabees, the time when the Seleucid Empire was what ruled over this area. And for a brief window, the Jews did revolt and had their freedom. They had this, this short window where, where they were independent once again before things collapsed back down on them. And now here they are under Roman rule. But during that brief window, when they were minting their own coins with, with their own things on them instead of some foreign leader's face and name and inscription, one of the things they put on those coins was palm branches. It was a sign of their independence, a sign of what they were hoping for. And so perhaps as they wave these palm branches, they're thinking, Hosanna, here we go. It's freedom time. It's time to get free of these Roman oppressors. They're looking for a king. Blessed is the king of Israel. We don't want this king that Rome gave us, Herod. We, we want our own king. Here he is, Jesus, the Messiah, the anointed one. Now, while the crowd was cheering, Jesus was shedding tears. We read this in Luke's gospel. Luke 19 says, As he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it and said if you even you had only known on this day what would bring you peace but now it's hidden from your eyes you see you can't you can't see it it's right in front of you what would bring you peace if you would choose the right thing but you can't you can't see it Instead, he says, the days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side. They will dash you to the ground, you and the children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. I mean, they see Jesus, right? They see Jesus coming. They're shouting, Hosanna. They're waving the palm branches. They're laying their cloaks on the ground. They're, they're seeing him ride in on this donkey. They, they see him, but they don't see what God is doing through him. They, they see what they want to see. They see a Jesus that they are hoping will take them where they want to go. And Jesus has a different agenda. Wouldn't it be nice if Jesus is if Jesus would always just support our agenda, <laughs> if Jesus would always just do what we want him to do, what we, we know the right thing. We want him, come on, Jesus, come on, get on board, would you? Come on, help us win this election or help us, you know, do this thing that we know we want to do that, that needs to get done. And Jesus has this other agenda so often. And he's weeping. It doesn't bring him any joy to know that destruction is coming to Jerusalem, just like it didn't bring God any joy to tell the people of Israel, like, sorry, you're going to have to wander for 40 years, and then I'll let your kids come in. That's it's their choice, and God's honoring their choice. And we see in Jesus that this breaks God's heart when we choose our own way instead of the way that he has for us. 
Because between that Palm Sunday and, well, what comes, what comes next, Jesus' arrest and eventual death on a Roman cross, what comes in between is Jesus not marching up to the Roman palace and saying, it's time to get out, not, not calling people together to pick up arms and to, to go you know, charge against the Romans, but instead he goes to the temple and he turns over tables and says, get this commerce out of here and drives out the animals that they were selling and, and reminds them, this, this temple, these temple courts, are, this is supposed to be a house of prayer for all nations. And they had filled up the place for all the other nations with their merchandise. He says, no, no, don't you, don't you believe that God is going to do this thing that he's promised? He's going to bring all people to himself. But the religious leaders, they already didn't like him. Now they really don't like him. And, and so they try to trip him up. And, you know, we remember the story where they, they ask him, like, is it, should we pay taxes to Caesar or not? You know, kind of probably looking over to the side and seeing the Roman soldiers over there and knowing that, like, okay, if Jesus says, sure, yes, of course you should pay taxes, then all the people are going to be like, oh, man, that's not what we wanted to hear. But if he says, no, don't pay your taxes, and the soldiers are right there, they can say, did you hear that? He's telling people not to pay their taxes to Caesar. They can get him arrested right now. You might remember that Jesus says, well, show me one of these coins. What coin do you use to pay the tax? And they, Who, Whose face is on that coin? Whose inscription? That's Caesar's. He says, well, give back to Caesar what belongs to Caesar. And give to God what belongs to God. And they all know what belongs to God is, is, is you, is everything. The whole earth is the Lord's and everything in it. They know this. Jesus avoids the, the traps while reminding us that our true allegiance is to God. Sure, you pay your taxes. You do, you do whatever you need to do as a citizen of wherever you are, but your allegiance, your true allegiance is to this other kind of kingdom, this different kind of, of rule, this different way of life. He's got a very different agenda. Well, eventually, you know the story, by, by Thursday night, he's celebrating the Passover with his disciples, this meal that commemorates their liberation of slavery from slavery in Egypt. And God's setting them free and bringing them out like we've been reading about so far this year. And Jesus reinterprets it and says, okay, this isn't just a commemoration of what God did a long time ago. This is, this is going to remind you from now on of what God is doing now here through me. This is my body broken for you. This is my blood poured out for the forgiveness of sins. When you eat this and drink this, do it in remembrance, not just of what God has done back then, but do it in remembrance of me, he says. And then that night, as he's out with his disciples, praying in the garden, pleading with God, please, if there's some other way, let's do that, but not what I want, but it's what you want, God. I'll, I'll do your will, even if it's difficult. That's when Judas comes and betrays him with a kiss on the cheek and his, his followers try to defend him briefly. Peter the fisherman and takes a swing at a guy, cuts his ear off. Uh, not a very good swordsman. But Jesus right away heals the guy and tells Peter to put the sword away. And he willingly goes with them and the disciples take off. And by the next day, Jesus is standing before Pilate, the Roman governor. And uh, we read in Matthew 27... Uh, you can read it in Mark and Luke and John as well. I gave you those notes there, uh, those references in your notes. It says, now it was the governor's custom at the festival to release a prisoner chosen by the crowd. At that time, they had a well-known prisoner whose name was Jesus Barabbas. Uh, if you read in Mark and Luke and John, you read that Barabbas was uh, arrested for murder, for being, taking part in an uprising, 
He was doing what the people wanted to do. He was trying to overthrow Rome. So when the crowd had gathered, Pilate asked them, which one do you want me to release to you, Jesus Barabbas or Jesus who's called the Messiah? Uh, the chief priests and elders persuaded the crowd to ask for Barabbas and have Jesus executed. Which of these two do you want me to release to you, asked the governor. Barabbas, they answered. What shall I do then with Jesus who's called the Messiah, Pilate asked. They all answered, crucify him. When Jesus didn't lead them where they wanted to go, they were all too happy to follow the lead of their chief priests and elders and, and ask for the one who would do what they wanted and reject the one who was calling them to, to peace. They faced the same choice that all of us face, and they chose poorly. I hope, my prayer for me and for you, is that each and every day, that, that, that it won't be hidden from our eyes like Jesus mentioned. You know, that our eyes will be open to God showing up in our midst, to, to God being present with us, to, to the, the choices that are laid in front of us, to those moments when we have to decide, am I going to trust me or am I going to trust God? Am I going to trust him and follow him even when he's calling me to something that might be challenging, that might ask more of me than I want to give? Am I going to trust him even when the, the obstacles seem overwhelming? They seem like giants. We seem like grasshoppers. How on earth is God going to fulfill his promise? How on earth am I going to be able to do what you're calling me to do, God. I don't see a way forward. Are we going to trust him? Are we going to live in the way of Jesus, loving our enemies, forgiving even those who are nailing him to the cross? Are we going to follow the way of Jesus and, and do what would lead to peace? Are we going to keep struggling against him? You know, it's back in Numbers that... Um, that God gives. It's a, it's a weird little thing. It's just stuck right in the middle of a bunch of other stuff that God says uh, to Moses and Aaron, say, have Aaron pronounce this blessing over the people of Israel. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. It's a blessing that we use often here at the church, and it appears in the book of Numbers, along with several other things that we'll touch on in future weeks. Uh, that, that get brought up again in the, in the New Testament. Um, but today, that's my prayer, <laughs> that we would see God smiling at us, that we would see his face, his presence in our lives, and that we would, we would allow him to lead us down the path that leads to peace, to, to wholeness, to life. Let's bow our heads and pray before we celebrate communion together. God, we are so grateful for the love that you have shown us, for your goodness to us. We're so thankful that you've been so patient with us. I mean, how many times, God, have we grumbled? Have we wished that you would do something a different way? Have we, have we tried to choose a different leader who would lead us where we want to go instead of trusting you? God, I do pray that you'd help us to have our eyes open, that we wouldn't be deceived, that we wouldn't that we would see the way things really are. That we would see the path that you're setting in front of us and give us the, the ability to choose it. To help us to say yes to you. God, help us not to get confused or distracted or, 
or pulled to the side by oh, the promises of power or control or all those things that seem so enticing to us. God, you have provided. You have loved us. And you are present with us to this very day. Please, God, help us to have eyes open to see the way that you lead us, the life you have us to live. Help us to depend on your strength to do what seems impossible to us. But with you, all things are possible. Thank you, God. Thank you that you have shown us this incredible love in your son, Jesus Christ, who is willing to follow you all the way to the, to the end, to death on a cross. God, we thank you that in Jesus Christ, you have defeated the powers of sin and death and set us free. You have made this new life possible in him. And so we are so grateful to be able to celebrate this sacrament of Holy Communion, remembering the great price that was paid to set us free. We offer to you these gifts of bread and juice, and we pray that by your Spirit's presence here, we might meet our crucified and risen Savior in his body and in his blood. Thank you, God, for the love that you have shown us in your Son, Jesus Christ. We offer you ourselves in return, in response to your mercy and your grace. <clears throat> we acknowledge today that we have not loved you with our whole hearts. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. Every single one of us is in need of your grace and your mercy. Thank you, God. Thank you for being the God you revealed yourself to, to Moses to be, that, that you are gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. You've promised that when we confess our sins, you are faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Today, God, we thank you that you wash us clean, that you embrace us as your children, that you give us the gift of your Holy Spirit to transform us from the inside out so that we can live in this world as the body of Christ. Thank you, God. Thank you for choosing us so that we can choose you. We are so grateful. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you pray with me the prayer that Jesus taught us? Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. The musicians are going to come and lead us in one last song as we celebrate communion together. I'll be here with a basket of bread and a cup of juice. As we sing, you're invited to come forward, take bread from the basket, dip it in the juice and eat it, and then return to your seats. Uh, this is open to all of us who are saying yes to Jesus today. All of us who are grateful for his grace, uh, who are hungry for his love. So if that's you, then uh, won't you join me at the table of Jesus today?
Thank you again, God, for the love you've shown us in your Son, Jesus Christ. Fill us with the Spirit of Christ, we pray, that we might live in this world as, as the body of Christ, as your hands and feet, as your sons and daughters, sharing with those you send us to your, your love, your grace, your goodness, your peace. Thank you. We are so grateful. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, I completely forgot to do the little announcements bit earlier. I hope you remember that next Sunday is Easter Sunday. We look forward to having you with us. Uh, if you do have uh, kids, grandkids that you want to do the egg hunt, happens in between the services right over here in the side yard. All right. So especially all you 1030 folks who want to come a little early for that. That'll happen at like 10 after 10. And uh, the week after that, in between the services, we're going to be assembling these crisis care kits uh, that'll go to help people around the world who are in a refugee situation or that sort of thing, your home's been destroyed by a tornado perhaps, uh, whatever it might happen to be. And uh, if you want to give to help make that 
happen. You can give to missions, all right? You can do the drop down on the online thing or write missions or crisis care kits on an envelope and then that'll, we'll buy the stuff and by that Sunday, two weeks from now, we'll have it all here to put together in between the services. So, uh, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Amen.